What do the Utah Utes need to do in order to go up to Pullman and come out with a victory over the Washington State Cougars? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We do appreciate it, and we are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Appreciate you guys who continue to subscribe and like our show. We'd love to interact with you guys in the comments as well as on social media. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Make sure you guys stick around to the end of our show. We're going to be doing our best big game bets of the week, brought to you by Bet Online. But of course, to open this show and to go through it, we're going to be talking about the Utes games versus the Cougars, a fun Thursday night matchup and in order to do it we decided to bring on our resident pac-12 expert spencer mclaughlin spencer appreciate you coming on my friend and this is a fun one you know we talked about a little bit on yesterday's show i came on yours just talked about this game as well and for the utes it's a great opportunity in a short week to get a win and really set themselves up in to me what is their most challenging game remaining outside of the oregon game of course it's the clear number one but it's not even close for the number two spot as well utah has to win this game and it's the only other one i really see a loss on the pac-12 schedule going forward potentially yeah it's certainly a tough game and and i'd just like to start out by saying jt that you chose the same intro for locked on utes as i have for locked on ducks which is a great choice number one and i got number two number two i i humbly accept the informal title of being one of your your heroes and idols that's totally (laughs) imitation is the highest form of flattery of course so (laughs) but but this game you know before the year when i was going through each team schedule and locked on pac-12 i thought this is a game that utah would lose but i also thought that they would have beaten florida at this point in time you might say well spencer those two independent games how can you possibly parlay this this one with the other the reason i say that is because what happens on a week-to-week basis determines how urgently a team is going to play and utah with two losses now and one in the pac-12 knows the urgency they have to play with they have got no room for error absolutely none because they've lost the head-to-head with UCLA, they, they really cannot afford to lose it. They would need so much help to get back into it. Whereas Oregon, they lose a game, they're still in a great position to get to the Pac-12 championship game with the head-to-head win over UCLA. But Utah is in a different spot. And the other thing that's changed for me, I, I do think this is a tough one for the Utes. And I, I, I assume we'll get to the betting line later that I just wouldn't touch. I just, because it's sitting right at seven, you give me seven and a half. I'll go coos. You go six and a half. If you can find it somewhere, I'll lean Utes, but I, re- I really wouldn't touch it because though I think Utah now will get the outright win. I don't think it's going to be easy. Nothing in Pullman ever seems to come easy for anybody. Oregon fans know that. I think Pac-12 fans in general have come to know to know that over the last three years. The only team that has a bunch of success up in Pullman is Washington, because the, you know until this past season, the Huskies have just dominated the Kooks. It was mm-hmm. I think eight straight in that in that rivalry in the Apple Cup before before last year when Jaden Delora went in, caught Washington down, and just absolutely ran them off the field. So 
I think it's a tough place to play. I think the Cougs are a feisty team. They play really hard. They play, you, you just, you can never doubt that they're going to go out there and play really, really hard. But there are some question marks for, for this Cougars offense. There are some question marks. And there's also still some question marks about this Utah team that we've spent the entire week talking about. Appreciate the red mug as well, by the way. Great choice for locked on Utes in this one. Oh, and Mickey's on it. My boy, Mickey. It's my boy, Mickey Mouse. But I did find it appropriate for this particular episode. I mean, it, if I put it right here, you'd think it was like an extension of the top screen. Yeah. The red, <laughs> the red is just so seamless. It would be perfect. So talking about this game, then I brought up my keys to win for this Utah team. I got three keys to victory. I think they need to do in order to get it done in Pullman. And the first one is to play, play to win. And that sounds really simple, right? Well, of course you want to play to win. That's what you do every time, but play to win also means play aggressive to me. There's a difference between on, I believe it was a few weeks ago. It was against UCLA. Actually, it was third and eight on the first drive of the game. I want to say, and they ran the ball with Mackay Bernard. You cannot do that going forward. If you want to win, that's what made last week's the weeks, two weeks ago, the win against USC. So encouraging was that they were playing aggressive. They were doing fun things, getting creative with the offense. So you need to play to win. You need to be aggressive when you get across midfield. Look, you know, your field goal kicking situation isn't very good. Coach Whittingham was asking the media the other, a couple weeks back, if he wanted them to just step in and kick field goals, basically. And uh, Hey, I'll tell you guys right now. I know I couldn't do that. I am, <laughs> but I could say, tell coach really? Witt to give me a call. I can still What's kick your it range? a little. Uh, in college last time I, I kicked and this was without pads and without pressure, but <laughs> I, I think I topped out at like 40, 43. I think 43? that was my long, That's pretty but good. yeah, you put me 40 in and I, I can make, I can still make you it. You got some eligibility left. We were talking uh, yesterday on your show about, I, I'm blanking up <laughs> the receiver's name now. Who's been in college for seven Renard years. Bell. Renard yes. Bell is yeah. in his seventh year. In yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just absolutely. Um, but yeah, for this Utah team, got to be aggressive. And that means continuing to take shots with Cam and this offense. Let Cam be aggressive as well. Continue to run him. Let him get after it. You know he's capable of doing it. And we'll talk about even some of the other things that go into that. But don't be conservative. Don't run the ball two plays in a row if it leads to minimal gains. If you only get one yard on your first run, don't turn around and be like, oh, we'll get him this time. No, get it out on the outside. Do different things. Be creative. Be aggressive. That's how you win games. Go big or go home. It's kind of like the John Harbaugh style. So let's just make sure we convert on those fourth downs, unlike the Ravens have done sometimes. And I do think the Utes are going to be able to go into Washington State and get a win. At least that'll be the first step. There is nothing in the game of football that drives me more insane than when a team has a good quarterback. It's one thing if he's iffy, if it's a backup. Yes. That sort of stuff. But when you have a good quarterback and you have a third down and over five, I think five and in, you can justify a run. Because odds are you're going to at least get to a fourth and one, fourth and two. But if you are fourth or third down and six or more, and you have a quarterback that is a reigning first team all Pac-12 performer, or if he's just playing well right outside of Utah, and the OC dials up the ground game, I think you're giving the defense a break. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what you're doing. It's like the Lakers letting Russell Westbrook shoot a three. The other team is hoping Begging. and praying that that's what you do. And when that's a play call that exists, you just got to be able to say, nope, we need to take this off our sheet right now. I mean, what quarterback, aside from one throw this year that he made against Florida that was unfortunate, yep. what quarterback do you trust more 
to make the right decision than Cam Rising. Mm-hmm. I mean, Caleb Williams can be a little gunslinger at times, but he yeah. generally protects the ball. Mm-hmm. DTR protects the ball. Bo Nix has been protected. But all these guys, when they're in those situations, for the most part, they're offensive coordinators. They're not dialing up a screen. They're not dialing up a you know drag screen where a guy goes all the way across the field and everybody sets up to block for him. He's not dialing up a run. Like, you got to play. I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on this. If you want to go on the road and win this game, especially against a nasty Washington State defense, you can not go in there with the mentality of, well, we just got to avoid making the big mistake. Like, no, you got to go in there and take this game. Washington State has struggled in a number of ways this year, but they're not going to give this game to you. You got to go take it. You got to go take it, and the way you do that is to be aggressive. We're going to talk about a couple of the other keys to this game in a moment, but first, I want to talk to you guys about Sweatblock. Guys, Sweatblock is always there for you. I know personally, for me, Sweatblock would have come in handy numerous times. One key one being the first week I was basically hosting this show, every single day I recorded, it was not good in that area. So make sure I would have been great to have Sweatblock then, and I know Sweatblock would be able to help you guys out as well. Sweatblock. Sweat block wipes are a must have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, everyone can benefit. So make sure you guys are prepared if, or if you have someone you love experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block, save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Also available on Amazon. One thing that I think Utah is definitely sweating right now. You like what I did there, Spencer? Mm, that was good. Is, uh, was very yeah. good. Very, yes. very good. Top tier. <laughs> Like I said, I'll try. Hey, just try to follow in your footsteps, right? So, <laughs> one thing this Utah team is definitely sweating is their pass rush. It's been non-existent in much of the critical and key moments on the season. The worst I've seen it was a couple of those times against USC. I know Utah ended with four sacks, but it was not a four sack performance. When you talk about a four sack performance, you see numerous pressure getting in and affecting not those sacks occurring after three seconds, which is what it was last week. So I think for this Utah team to go in and get a win, you have to be exotic with your blitzes and you have to make sure you're consistently sending five. Now that does not mean send five or more every single time. You can still have just four rush sometimes, but this Utah team has proven Time and time again, at least unless they make a big change, they're going to struggle to get home there. And maybe it'll be a little bit better this week. They had the buy. That's something I'm hoping to see at least. But you do got to bring some different things, whether that's sending two linebackers through the A-gap, whether that's bringing down and having seven guys with their hands in the dirt and then having four of them bail out or four is a lot. But let's say two or three of them bail out and leave the right side just overloaded so it confuses them. Keep working in those twists. Lots of different things you can do. But I really think you can affect Cam Ward that way and make him turn the ball over, which I think would really help this Utah team out because we know Ward is turnover prone, especially when you can get pressure in his face. So really think you got to be exotic with the blitzes, come in with a creative game plan, and I expect Morgan Scally to do that. Yeah, eight interceptions in seven games this year for Cam Ward so far, and it looks like, you know, even though he he has some NFL potential from what I've seen poking around draft boards and, and scouting the scouting community and such, it looks like Cam Ward could one day be an NFL guy, but if he continues at this rate, it looks like he'll get another chance with the Cougs in, in 2023 because so far this year, the experiment and kind of gamble that they took bringing him in and you know kind of pushing Jaden Delora out hasn't worked very well. You can't look at this offense and say it's the reason they've won games. It was certainly not why they won at Wisconsin, which was a huge game. It was not why uh, they... 
they very nearly beat Oregon. That was because they kept holding Oregon to field goals as the Ducks moved the ball into the red zone in, in that particular game. It you know, was not why they hung around against USC. That was their defense, keeping the Trojans relatively in check for a while. But it's been the offense, and Cam Ward has not been the player that he may he may very well be one day. But right now, he isn't, and his numbers are not that bad outside of the interceptions. But he doesn't pass the eye test in the first three quarters, and I think some of the, the stats he's accumulated so far have been kind of garbage time numbers to where they – you know, are, are cut like stats are a starting point, not an end point for evaluating a team or a player. That is something I always advocate for. And it is a very important message. If you look at a running back and say, wow, he finished with 120 yards. It didn't seem like he did. Well, if 60 of them came in the fourth quarter when the team, when the other defense was in prevent and they were handing the ball off because they'd punted on the game, he didn't really run for 120 yards, uh-huh. did he? You know, like it, it matters when you accumulate those numbers. And so with Cam Ward, getting pressure on him can force him off of spot. But, you know, the other thing you can do, JT, is allow him to make plays. I think what you want to do if you're Utah is pressure him, but make him make throws from the pocket because he hasn't done that consistently this year. He, ju- he just hasn't. He's been inconsistent, but where he's been, I think, more consistent this season, and I promise everyone I'm going to stop saying that word now, has been throwing from outside the pocket, second reaction plays, improvisation, scramble drill. That's when he's at his best. That's when he was at his best against Oregon in their near upset in the opening week of conference play. He made ridiculous plays with his feet to to keep an opportunity alive, to keep drives alive. And he's not a a great runner, but he's capable and whatnot. But I think if you're Utah, the biggest matchup on that side of the ball is can your front four finally generate pressure against a pretty weak Washington State offensive line? They lost two guys from last year, one of whom, Abe Lucas, is now starting for my surprise Seahawks. I don't even know how to feel about him other than, (laughs) all right, they're winning. Like That's cool. But he's starting at right tackle now. They lost that guy, and the drop-off has been – and there was another offensive line starter that that they no longer have. The drop-off has been pretty noticeable. So if there's a week where Utah can get things going with their front four, it's this week. But you also have to have a spy on Cam Ward. Maybe it'll be Diabate. Maybe it's a safety from time to time. You have to be wary of keeping him contained within the pocket because he is at his most dangerous once he gets outside of your edge rushers. You talked about those Seahawks too. Shout out Cody Barton. Been a nice piece for that defense. As yes, indeed. Well. Yes, indeed. He and uh, Jordan Brooks, the Texas Tech uh, yeah. former first round draft pick, have been a pretty a pretty solid duo. Their defense is not actually that good, but it's not that bad all the yeah. time. And I mean, Geno what? Smith is <laughs> Geno Smith is the new Cam Rising. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a guy you, who you told me that comparison guy, going into the season. By the way, I'd have been so mad at you. I'd have been like, "This guy doesn't know what he's talking about." I've been like, "Gino, how dare you call Cam Rising Geno Smith?" I know. I'm like, look at Geno Smith. He's balling. But by, by the way, by the way, Geno Smith was a backup. So was Cam Rising. True. Gets the starting job. Wasn't expected to be great. Has been very good. They're both right-handed. They both wear number seven. And they can both move as a component of their game, but it's not the primary feature of their game. Look at that. I just made a great comparison between Cam Rising and Geno Smith. I think you did. And it basically makes Charlie Brewer and Drew Locke the same thing, which I also agree with in that (laughs) point as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> As in not worthy of seeing the field? Basically, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Charlie Brewer has been playing decent football lately, too, so i got to give him a little bit more credit. But of course, Where is he even playing now? College. I... I just saw that the other day too, but I remember seeing he put up decent numbers. So uh, I'll have you check for that really quick, Spencer. I want to say he's at Liberty actually, but I'm also worried I'm going to be completely wrong. So it's going to be fun to check out and see in a second. But like, yeah, he is on the, he's on the Liberty flames. They just be, they just be BYU. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Good for them. Okay. Anyway, this has been a wild sidetrack. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Appreciate all of you are still (laughs) I I take responsibility for that. (laughs) I mean, I'm one of those. I mean, it's one of those things like you see someone jump off a cliff. Are you going to do it too? And that's basically what I've been doing the entire time as well. So, but didn't back into this. um, Talking about my last key for this one, I really want to see Utah win in the trenches. And that's on both sides of the ball. This is, it's been a little bit since we've seen a Utah team go into a game and really win the trenches. And I think that's what they have an opportunity to do in this one because we talked about it look the washington state defensive line is pretty good so they're definitely capable of beating up this utah offensive line and if you're doing favorites in that matchup you'd probably favor the washington state defensive line but i do think this utah team could have a good performance where they could get another performance in where they don't allow a sack where they get some movement in the run game now it's going to be hard because then you get to the second level as well. And that's where we know this Cougars linebacking core is extremely impressive. So that's where it might be a little hard, but especially on the defensive side of the ball, look, this Washington state offensive line, you just spoke to the injuries, this Utah defensive line. I think they can win those matchups as well. So I think this is a great opportunity for this Utah team to really go in and be like, wow, they dominated the trenches. And that's what Utah did last year. A lot of times, but you miss guys like Putu Tau, Nick Ford as well Tafua, just a bunch of your Bamal Seni, a bunch of your leaders, on those offensive and defensive lines aren't there. And we've seen that negatively affect the Utes throughout the season, but I think they have a really good opportunity to do it coming into the Thursday's game. Yeah, I agree. And there's two different ways to look at the the trench battle on Thursday night in Pullman for, for Utah. For the defensive line going against that Washington State O-line, it's an opportunity. For the offensive line trying to control the game on the ground and be more physical to, to control the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball, it's a test. And I think you look at it that way because the front four for Washington State is good. They, they, are, they are fast. They are physical. I think the best way to describe them is ferocious, mm-hmm. right? Those are your three Fs. They're fast. Physical starts with a PH. <laughs> <laughs> I backed myself into a corner on that one. They are fast. They are physical and ferocious. The FPF and H of of the Cougars defense is they, they do those three things exceptionally well. So I think that's that's more of a test. And if they they hold up just all right, the Utah offensive line, then you look at it and say, all right, I don't think that's cause for concern. That's one of the better units that we'll see on that side of the ball this year. But if the front four don't get a consistent pass rush on Cam Ward against that Cougars offensive line, and if they allow Washington State to run the ball, which they haven't done at all this year, I mean, literally at all, they've had several games this year. I, I don't know the exact total, but I know there have been at least three where they have run for under 100 yards. I mean, it's bad. There's just no ground game. They're a completely one-dimensional offense. If Utah's defensive front is not able to dominate in the trenches, then you've got a problem beyond just this game, right? It can come into play with regards to are the Utes about to get upset on the road in a Thursday night Pac-12 after dark, but it can also be a sign if they escape with a win but get pushed around on that side of the ball and you say, okay, so going forward, 
what's going to happen when they go play Oregon and that offensive line that is ridiculously good. So I think this is a show me game. And I I think it's more important for the defensive line to have a good game for Utah and start to build momentum and confidence going forward because that Oregon game, I, I can assure you, and a lot of people out there probably know I host locked on ducks as well. That Oregon offensive line, there's no other way to put it. This is not a homer take. It's absurdly good. 100%. Bo Nix is Bo Nix has been sacked once, one time in seven games, and they are running it at the fourth best clip on a yards per carry basis in the entire country. The running backs are pretty good. Bucky Irving's been great, but it's that Oregon offensive line that has been, I mean, unlike anything I've seen from that unit in the I don't know, 17, 18 years I've been watching Oregon football. I haven't seen a unit that has been as dominant as this one. So if you're Utah and you go play Washington State on the road and your front four more or less get pushed around and they are not able to at least hold their own, that's got to give you pause for how they would fare on the road against what will be an electric environment in Autzen Stadium and that Ducks offensive line. That is such a great point because as you mentioned with the Utah offensive line, it's like, well, if they get pushed around the Washington state defensive line is pretty good. So there's still some hope going forward, but yeah, it's how weak that Washington state offensive line is where if you do get pushed around against them, it could spell disaster. that's a problem. And that's yeah, that's, that's a problem. And that's where we'll see if this Utah team is ready for the challenge. I think coach Powell is going to have these guys ready to go and it'll be fun to see how it all plays out. We're going to predict how this game and a few of the other games are going to play out in just a second. But first I want to talk to you guys about LinkedIn talent solution guys. LinkedIn talent solutions is always there for you. And there are new potential hires can feel, we know new potential hires can feel like high stakes wager for your small businesses. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire guys i use linkedin all the time to be able to stay in touch with my friends and network throughout the business as well there are everyone is pretty much on linkedin at this point so make sure you guys you jump on and get on LinkedIn as well, especially if you're a small business that's hiring because they rate LinkedIn jobs as the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors for small businesses. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions may apply. So we've been talking about this Utah game all episode basically. And Spencer, you mentioned the line for this one as well. It's right at seven and going first. I like the Utes still. I know you don't want to touch it. You don't want to touch the line on this one nope. as well, but Out. I do think you do think Utah is going to win though. Correct. I do. Good choice. I would have booted you out of, off the podcast <laughs> but otherwise, but <laughs> even for, with my Utah yeah, red hold, mug, hold the mug back. Yes, there you go. You're, you're good. You're good <laughs> <laughs> for Utah. I do think they're going to be, I think coach Ludwig and cam are really clicking right now. I think this offense is going to stay and remain explosive. I think we're going to see nice flashes from the running game. I think the defensive line is going to have their arguably their best game against the in, in the season we've seen so far. I think they are going to be able to get home and do some of those nice things. I think all of that is going to equate to a Utah win 30 to 21. So I do like the Utes in this one to cover and just outright win it. 27, 21. I'm going Utah here. And look before the season, as I mentioned, I thought this was an upset spot, but I just don't trust that Washington state offense, even at home, you know, that they managed just 28 points against Cal whose defense is, not what it usually is, 
And in theory, what we've seen from Cal's defense now after watching them for a couple weeks, that should have been a great matchup for Washington State. Because Cal defense, Cal's defense has been solid against the run, very good in the red zone like they were against Washington, but they've been weak against the pass. And that's what Washington State, supposedly, with their offensive coordinator, their wide receivers, and their quarterback, they should be better, but they have not been. And so I, I just don't see Utah's defense being porous enough to allow them to to score to keep up with the Utes. And I like this Washington. I, I will be surprised if either team gets to 30 because of Washington State's defense and because of Washington State's offense and the fact that this game is at home for them in Pullman. I will be very surprised if either team gets to 30 points. Now, as I say that, it's set up for a 38-35 final score, but I think that when you look at what these teams do well and where the game is being played, it sets up for a lower scoring battle. So I'll take the Utes 27-21, but I just that that I'm not I'm not touching that line at 7. If you can give me a half point hook in either direction, right? If you could dangle a carrot then I will go for it. But if you can't get me seven and a half or six and a half, then I'm, I'm not going to go for it. But I, I do think the Utes are going to play to, to play well enough to get this done. I'd say send it Ute fans. Like I said, I like the Ute seven, but if you're feeling like Spencer, make sure you stay away from it because there's also some up on other games you can look at and bet on this week as well. And we're going to keep it going here with Ohio state going to Penn state. Mm. Ohio state is favored by 15 and a half for this one. And this is probably going to surprise a lot of people, but I like Penn state to cover in this one. I really think the Nittany lions at home are going to be able to make this a game. This is by far and away the best team. This Ohio state team has played all year long. You look at it, Wisconsin, Michigan state, how disappointing are they? No, Dame. Those are literally, you could argue, three of the most disappointing teams in college football this year are all teams Ohio State is absolutely obliterated. And look, when you're a good team, that's what you do to bad teams. You do blow them out. But I think Sean Clifford and this Penn State team, I really like what Coach Franklin, the program he's put together and built out there. I think they're going to hang in tough. And yes, I still think Ohio State's going to win, but I think Penn State plays them close. And I think this one is definitely going to be closer than 15 and a half. I think over two touchdowns at home for a team that is good is too many points. So I'm with you here because here's a great stat for you, JT. Let's hear it. James Franklin against the spread against Ohio state. And it's hard to believe he's been there for this long, but he has six and two. He's six and two against the spread (laughs) against Ohio state. He has won just once. I believe I'm pretty sure his only win was that 2016 game that was at home. And this game being played, at Penn State's what will be a sold-out stadium. It's unfortunate it's not the whiteout. It's going to be the big noon game. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, I get it. But, yeah, I wish it were the whiteout. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just more fun. It, it, it's, it's the sure whiteout is electric. Yeah, it's one of the best atmospheres in college football for sure. And moving off of that game as well, because like you said, we feel the we feel the same way about it, Ohio yeah. State. But you think that just keeping it close as well. So yeah, I 15 see 15 and a half is just too, it's too yeah. many at home. And it's easy to write teams off after they get blown out. But what if you had thought that last week going into Oregon, UCLA, Oregon got blown out by Georgia. They're not that good. Well, they took care of UCLA pretty solidly. Don't make conclusions about a team because of just one week. And I also think Michigan's a good team. And that was on the road. Yep. That is, that is a very good point. Michigan is, yeah, Michigan finally looks like they're at that point where they are a stable program. They're going to be a consistent playoff contender for years to come. Now yes. to one te- to a, a team that hopes they're a consistent playoff contender, but still seem like they have a long way to go. That's Notre Dame going to Syracuse. And this is one Syracuse is favored by two and a half. 
I really enjoy Syracuse. I think they've been a really fun story this season. I think Syracuse at home, I think they're going to win by more than a field goal in this one. Of course, Notre Dame could muck it up and they could even go there in there and get a win. I do like Marcus Freeman. I just don't think this is his year. So I really like what the Syracuse team has done. Six and one, that one loss to Clemson. They're pretty good, obviously. So I like Syracuse to win and I'll take them in the two and a half. Hughes by two touchdowns. Oh, wow. This is in the carrier dome. I'll take the cues by two touchdowns. Notre Dame stinks. Yeah. (laughs) Notre Dame stinks. I am not buying them on the road. I don't even buy them at home. They beat Cal by seven. Cal is not very good. They lost to Marshall. I know they went on the road. Like, I just, no. I I, only two and a half under a field goal. Hammer the cues. Hammer the cue. I like that more than more than Penn State. I bet you whatever game you 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 have next here, I guarantee you all like Hughes more. Minus two and a half. Coming off a loss, back home, solid, not great, but solid football team. Yeah, and going on, well, we're going into this one now. I was trying to think of a good segue, but all I could think about between them is that Oklahoma State wears orange and so is Syracuse, so that's the best effort you get from me at this point in the podcast. So Oklahoma State going to Kansas State in this one. Kansas State is favored by a point and a half in this one, and look, I really like Oklahoma State. I think they are a really good program. I like what Coach Gundy's been doing out there. Spencer Sanders, I watched him play three years ago, so I'm still, he's one of those guys, once again, it's like he's still there, so I know Kansas State has been really good this year as well, and they have some nice wins um, it's hard to tell how good of a win the Oklahoma one is at this point with what a mess Oklahoma is this season. But I do think that Oklahoma State's going to go in there, and I think they are going to just to be able to out white rent. So I, I do like the Cowboys in this one. Yeah, I, I've I've thought about this one a little bit because when I was uh, perusing the college football lines earlier this week, this one stood out to me. And I think what you have here, JT, is a classic Vegas trap. Yeah. And what Vegas appears to be telling you is they don't really care whether or not Kansas State has Adrian Martinez there as their starting quarterback. Their backup appeared serviceable. But what you saw last week against TCU until he got hurt and doing it, you know, mid-game with a quarterback change, that's one thing. But if you know Martinez is not going to play, then you can prepare for it, get the quarterback the reps. But that Kansas State running game is pretty darn good. And Texas last week ran on Oklahoma State a lot. And I think after that win, which was at home, it's tempting to go with the Cowboys here, but I think the sharp side and we'll we'll see if I'm if I'm dull or if I'm or if I'm sharp when the weekend comes to pass, but I think Kansas State whether or not you've got Adrian Martinez, the fact that the Wildcats are are favored there, I think is telling of what Vegas knows about Oklahoma State and that's that their defense is pretty porous and you can run the football on them. And that K-State running back is good. So I, I'll go with the Wildcats there and that'll be our, our disagreement. Yes. I, I mean, I can definitely see it happen too. You mentioned Vaughn for Kansas State. He is an incredible back. Yeah, pass. Deuce Vaughn. That's the guy. Yep. Yep. Last one we're going to go do is Kentucky at Tennessee and Tennessee is favored by 12 and a half. And this is a Kentucky defense that has done some nice things on the season. Look at last week held Mississippi State in check. But look, I'm not going against Tennessee in the momentum they have right now. I think they are going to show up. Look, does that line being at 12 and a half make me a little nervous? It just seems like a lot. But at the end of the day, I just really love what Hendon Hooker is doing. I think right now he is sensational. Um, If I had to vote for a Heisman, it probably would be him right now just because of the things he's done on this season as well. So even though Coach Stoops' squad has done a lot of really good things this year, I got to roll with Tennessee and the momentum they have going because, man, it's been incredible to watch what they've been able to do in Rocky Top. 
It has been. And the environment at Rocky Top is one of the best in college football. They're fantastic. Like, shout out to any Vols fans that are watching this show because they do a great job week in and week out. This is one I would probably stay away from. I'll I'll make a pick here in a moment, but here's why. That 12.5 number is funky. And anytime you see a funky number, it's usually best to stay away. Like when you see, for example, a 15.5, it's not a clean, round, even number. It's not, you know, approaching 10 or anything like that. You don't see a lot of those 12 point spreads. And so if Vegas doesn't think that Tennessee is two touchdowns better at home, what you have to consider are the contrasting styles that you have. And I think what will define who gets the cover in this one is who is better able to establish the tempo they want to play. Tennessee wants to go, 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 run as many plays as possible. Kentucky, pro style, under center, milk the clock, run it, right? Think like old school Stanford. That's what Kentucky wants to be. And if they do that and limit the possessions and frustrate that Tennessee offense by keeping them on the sideline, then I think the Wildcats will be able to at least hang around. Hard to pick against the Vols at home because that environment is amazing and they they look like a good football team and Hendon Hooker is is playing well. You've got an NFL quarterback on the other side too and Will Levis. And I think Mark Stoops can kind of muck this game up, make make it sloppy, make it messy, just enough to hang around. And I think they'll slide just inside of that 12 and a half number. It'll probably be... I think like a 38-27 ball game. Yeah, I like that. And you make a really good point about staying away. Anytime you do see the number 12 in football, just in general. Yeah, like, yeah I just, I wouldn't, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go. It's like, what, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, the, you know, t- typically, you know, I'm looking at numbers that are approaching or around two touchdowns or approaching, you know, two touchdowns and it feel like 20, 17, 14, 10, even 21, 24, like those sorts of places. But when you see a line, for example, that's like 22 and a half, I just say, mm, no, it just, it, it just, it just, it feels, it feels off. So I, I, I'd steer clear of, of that one. But if you want to go, I, I think Kentucky's going to, going to put up a heck of a fight, even on the road. I could definitely see it as well. So appreciate Bet Online for bringing you these best big game bet picks here at Locked On Utes. And guys, if you are in the market for a second listen every day, of course you can check out Spencer on Locked On Pack 12. A lot of fun stuff going on there, including if you haven't gotten enough of me this week, you can also head over there and check out me on Locked On Pack 12 as well. But also want to tell you guys about Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you check out locked on sports spencer it's a fun one always appreciate you coming on my friend and it should be a good one tomorrow night or tonight yes 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 indeed indeed it will for us right now as we tape tomorrow night but it should be very fun always a pleasure to come on with you my friend yeah the time we're recording this right now it's only nine o'clock so we will probably just be getting done with the about midway through the second quarter so it's going to be a long one Ute fans we appreciate you sticking with us all week on Locked On Utes. And we still have one more for you. You're going to be reacting to the action that happens in Thursday's Pac-12 After Dark game. So make sure you guys keep it here at Locked On Utes, where we'll see you tomorrow.